there is an outline uh, in the bulletin. If you need a Bible, uh, they're out there in the foyer. Um, let's ask God to help us with his word. Our merciful God, we pray now that we would know the good work of your word in our lives. We pray that we would receive it as it is, the word of the true and living God, and that it would turn us to Jesus so that we trust him and keep on trusting him for life, and that it would so teach, rebuke, correct and train us that we would be equipped to live for Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. Uh, in this space between Christmas and the start of the school year, uh, we've been thinking about concerns raised by the passing of one year and the arrival of the next. As every passing year is a reminder of just how fleeting our life on this earth is, we began by looking at Isaiah 40 to find comfort in God's commitment to his unchanging word. Then in the face of anxieties about, uh, about what the new year might bring in a world full of turmoil, we turn to Psalm 46 to find confidence in God's commitment to his people, his presence with his people. Last week, as Mel headed off to Thailand, we were reminded of our Lord's unchanging purpose for his people every new year to the end of years, that, like our Lord, we should love others by being disciples who make disciples. And this week, in the last of this series, before commencing looking at the book of Hebrews next week, we're going to ask and answer a more traditional New Year's question. What goals should I pursue this year? Well, to be more exact, we're going to ask as believers in Jesus, those who know that they are bought with a price belong to him, we're going to ask, what goals does my God want me to pursue this year? What should I personally aim at as a believer in Jesus this year? Now, this is asking about more than what New Year's resolutions you may or may not have made, you know, things like losing weight or gaining it, spending more time with the children or with your husband or wife, or perhaps even finding a husband or wife, or the kind of Christian ones, you know, read my Bible more. Uh, those resolutions have their uses. In my experience, mainly for reminding me of last year's resolutions and all the reasons and excuses I had not for, for, for not keeping them, and being humbled is good for your soul, so that's good. Uh, but what I want to engage you with is actually a much bigger question. The fundamental direction, the fundamental orientation of your life as a follower of Jesus in the coming year. And it is important to give yourself space to consider this because you don't want to drift through life directionless, unsure about what to pursue or how to live. You don't want to lose your way because you were never sure of the destination to get to the end of another year and to feel you have made no progress. It's important to be clear about the fundamental direction if you're a believer, the fundamental direction your God wants your life to have. And you can be, because God in his word gives believers this fundamental direction, that overarching orientation for our lives in the words Paul penned to the believers in Colossae. Seek the things above. This is a fundamental and all-engaging command, the overarching orientation of the new life we receive from Christ as those who have been raised with Christ. 
But what does it actually mean to seek the things above? And why is it so fundamental and engaging? Well, seek here is not seek and find, as if you're looking for something you've lost. Seek here has the sense of aim at, strive towards the things above. So seek speaks of effort and orientation. It says set your direction towards the things above and make every effort to move towards them, to have them expressed in your life. Make the things above the compass bearing of your life to be followed consistently to get you to your destination. And Paul accompanies that instruction with its necessary companion. Set your mind on the things above. To seek the things above, you have to think about them, to make them the focus of your thinking. And I'm sure that you've noticed that when you're driving or cycling, you go in the direction you're focused on. I mean, how many times have you found that when you're looking at the car on the side of the road, you know, wondering if you should stop or, well, just curious, how many times have you done that and found that you've just drifted off to the left? It's the same in life. What you think about, what you give your intention to, is what you will move towards, what will dictate your direction. Paul wants us to engage our minds because if you want to steer towards the things above, you have to think about the things above and not things that might distract or divert you from that focus, not earthly things. And notice, it is your thinking. You cannot live the Christian life relying on your emotions to guide you. You've got to set your mind on the things above. And so God's word is clear. In 2018, the God-given direction for our lives, if we confess Jesus as Lord, is to seek the things above, to set our minds on the things above. But, and this is the obvious question, isn't it? What are the things above? Because it's a pretty general term, isn't it? Short on detail. What is the content of the things above? What exactly should we be seeking and thinking about? I mean, should we take this literally and that turn our discipleship program into an astronaut training program? Or should we just encourage you all to move into penthouses or buy a telescope? No, of course not. The things above are not some physical destination, are they? Well, perhaps this is telling us we should be seeking visions of heaven, trying to enter heaven, trying to obtain heavenly treasures by mystical or angelic rituals, as some at Colossae appeared to believe. No. In chapter 2, if you look at Colossians, Paul has just said that those who tried to do that had lost connection with Jesus. So, what are the things above? Well, the things above is a metaphor, isn't it? It's a way of speaking about a life that is consistent with the reign of Christ. Let me unpack that for you. You see, it says, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. The one thing that characterises the above that Paul is speaking of is the presence of Christ, the presence of the reigning Christ. He is said to be seated at the right hand of God. To sit at the right hand of a king or ruler is to occupy the position of honour, favour, power. Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father, is saying that the Jesus who was crucified 
is now the one who is exalted over all, honoured and favoured by the eternal God, the one to whom God has entrusted the exercise of his power and rule. So above is a spatial metaphor, a way of speaking of a realm distinct from this present one, the realm where Christ's rule is known and acknowledged. It's a natural metaphor, of course, for Christ is in heaven, and it allows for a contrast with below, this present age where Christ is still unacknowledged by many, this present world that rejects Christ as king. With this sense of above, the things above, then becomes a comprehensive term for all those things that are consistent with the reign of Christ, that flow from his exaltation, all those things that are associated with living under Jesus' reign. Under Jesus' reign. And so the things above can include the relationship with God that Christ has won for his people. The future Jesus' reign has guaranteed to his people. Oh yes, and the way of living he has commanded and vindicated. In fact, in Colossians, it's on this way of living that Paul focuses. But the things above are not just confined to that way of living. And the things above can be contrasted, verse 2, with the things of earth, with the values and behaviour, including the religious behaviour of the world that rejects Christ, that does not acknowledge his reign. Seek the things above is a comprehensive command to aim at the life which is lived in Jesus' kingdom under his reign. Its comprehensiveness is based on the comprehensiveness of Christ's victory and the salvation he brings. And this command is sandwiched between references to that salvation, to the believer rising with Christ and having died with Christ. And as it's, well, sandwiched between those references, and as the importance of obeying this command is dependent on grasping the greatness of Jesus, we're going to pause now to, to think about the Christ who reigns and how he's made it possible for believers to seek the things that are above. We're going to think about what Colossians has already taught about Christ and about ourselves. And it's a reminder, isn't it, that well, when you actually just take a verse out of a book, you actually sometimes need to do a bit more work to understand it, to put it in its place. And we'll be over that next week when we start at the beginning of Hebrews. So who is the Christ exalted at the right hand of God? And this is a pretty quick summary, and you can test these things by reading Colossians. Well, he is the crucified Jesus. He's the one who died for our sins on his cross, who shed his blood to make peace. He's the one who has reconciled us to his Father, the eternal creator God, by his death. Oh, and he's the one who has done all that needs to be done for us to live at peace and who has set us free from the control of all other powers over our life. He is the one who has brought us by his death forgiveness so that we can now live securely in his kingdom. Oh yes, and he is the one who didn't stay dead. God has raised him from the dead. He is risen with a life that is stronger than death, a life 
that he can share. You were also raised with him through faith in the working of God. He made you alive with him. He is alive, risen, to be exalted over all because, as Colossians 1 tells us, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the Son sent from the Father, the one for whom and by whom all things were made. Jesus, the Christ who reigns, is incomparably great. And his, as we saw in our passage, is now a sure and eternal reign. No one will threaten or overturn his rule. His enemies will never succeed in displacing him or reversing his judgments. That reign is still hidden from many, for Jesus' full glory is not yet revealed. But God assures us that he will appear in glory. He will be revealed one day as reigning over all. Now just think about what that means for seeking the things above. The things above are the things that have to do with living under Jesus' reign, with living as with Jesus as king. And it tells us that his reign is eternally secure. So his judgments, what he approves and what he disapproves, will never be reversed. And that those who are his are eternally secure. Oh, it tells us that Jesus' life is enduring. And so the life he gives is enduring. His future is sure. And so the future he gives to his people is also sure. And the way he says to live is the way that will be vindicated at the last day. The things above, the life of living under the reign of Jesus, is the way that will endure when all other ways will perish. It is actually the life in touch with God's purpose for the universe. And it's actually the life that is only possible for those who have trusted Jesus. And we see that here. Paul addresses this command, seek the things above, to those who have been raised with Christ and to those who have died in Christ to the old way of life. So seeking the things above is not some kind of self-help program that you can embrace in the new year, some path of personal self-directed improvement. Seeking the things above is the expression of knowing Jesus as our saviour, of relying on what he has done for us on the cross. And how could it be any other way? You see, left to ourselves, God says we are dead in our sin. We're actually under the dominion of darkness. Our disobedience to God has left us enslaved to lies, unable to do what pleases God. The things above are inaccessible to us, while the only life we have is the life of this earth, the life of this age, the life directed to love of self in place of love of God. But believers in Jesus can be called on to seek the things that are above because in Jesus they have been given a new life, a life that comes from Christ, a life that can share in the things above. Since, therefore, it's not if as if it's doubtful. If you're a believer, this is true. Since, therefore, you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above. 
believers can seek the things above because a powerful work of God in their lives through faith in Jesus. You see, Paul speaks of the believer's reality as having died and risen with Christ. That what is true of Christ has become true of those who trust him as they are joined to him by faith in his death and rising. When you are dead, say verse 13, in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. By faith, we have died with Christ. That's what it means when it says you are circumcised with him in the circumcision of Christ. We have died with Christ so that the death our sins deserve has happened in Christ's death on the cross. Our debt of sin has been paid for on the cross in Jesus' death. And so believers in Jesus, having died with Christ, are not excluded by sin anymore from above, from the realm of Christ, from God's presence. Oh, and buried with Christ, we have died to a life of rebellion against God and by faith we have been raised with Christ. He has shared his life with us. The life believers now have is his life. And all of this is of God because of his kindness. As Paul says in Ephesians, it's because God is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he has made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You see, seeking the things above is not the cause of our peace with God. It's not the cause of our new life. It's the expression of the new life God has freely given those who trust in Jesus by his grace. It is his powerful work. Believers have come alive with Christ's resurrection life, the life of the Spirit, the life of the age to come. So even before we have resurrection bodies, the power of Christ's risen life is at work in believers so that we can start to live in conformity to the reign of Christ, so that we can seek the things above. And wonderfully, one day that risen life will be, will be known in all its fullness. One day we will come to the glorious future when we are transformed to be like Christ in his resurrection glory. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That future, that certain future, is a spur to setting our mind on the things above. The fallen true nature of that life is hidden now. It's unknown to the world, hidden with Christ in God. Christ has his being from God and those who are Christ have their being with him in God. But saying our life is hidden with Christ in God actually stresses the security of this future life. No one is greater than God. No one can take away this life from those for whom he keeps it. And of course saying this life is hidden with Christ in God reminds us that the timing of the revealing of this life is in God's hands, just as the revealing of Christ in glory is in God's hands. But you see, 
Not only is the full and true glory of this new life in Christ unknown to the world, it's actually also unknown to us believers, isn't it? We cannot imagine how great that life is, the life of those who keep on seeking the things above, the life of those who express the reality of their union with Christ each day. But the full glory of that life will be revealed when Christ is revealed in his glory. For, says Paul, Christ is our life. Our life is from him. Our life is sustained by his life. And on that day, our life will be like his. What he is, we will be. That's what the Apostle John says. Dear friends, verse 2, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. Or as Paul says in Philippians 3, he will transform the body of our humble condition, that is this body that dies and rots, into the likeness of his glorious body. And being like him, it's not just some random isolated event, no, being like him, we will have actually been fitted to live in the transformed creation, the new heaven and the new earth. And that's actually why I asked for Revelation 21 and 22 to be read, so that you could get a glimpse, just the smallest glimpse, of the glory of that life to be revealed, so your imagination could be fired with its goodness. Just a few things. That's a life, we're told, without death or grief or pain, all things that we know now, all things we endure now. Oh, it's a life where we will live in God's presence. He will dwell among us. It'll be a life which is inexhaustible, where we won't know that weariness that saps life from us because it says we will drink freely from the water of life that flows from the throne of God. Oh, yes, the climax of it all. It's a life where we will be so changed that we will see God's face and be known to him. It's such a small phrase, isn't it? We will see his face. But the change involved in bringing that to be is, is beyond our imaginations to conceive. What a change. It, you know, Moses couldn't see God's face. Nobody could see God's face and live, could endure his glory. But on that day, we will be changed to be like Jesus. We will see his face. Isn't that life, that life which is hidden with Christ now, but we will be revealed, isn't that life a reason to set your mind on the things above, to express your union with Christ, which will bring you that life in living now like Christ. Because we have died and risen with Christ, we can and should seek the things that are above, set our minds on the things that are above. But what are the things above? You, you, you're probably thinking he has gone on for a very long time and still not being concrete about what we're to aim for, what we're to think about. Well, what are those things that are associated with living under the reign of Jesus that we should be aiming to express in our lives? Well, 
we should be aiming to express living confidently in the relationship with God Jesus has achieved through his death. So seeking the things above means living now as those reconciled to the Father at peace with him, reliant on him, dependent on him for all our needs, living as his child and loving and longing to draw closer to him. And yes, seeking the things above means living conscious of the certain future, the new heavens and the new earth that Christ has guaranteed to his people, knowing that the new life we have now is just the beginning of all that God has promised us and letting that sure hope show up the emptiness of the fleeting pleasures of sin. And yes, seeking the things above means especially living a life that is consistent with believing that the crucified Jesus reigns, that obeys his will. And that's what Paul actually majors on in Colossians, describing that life in both negative and positive ways. Seeking the things above, negatively, he says, means saying no to things that either deny the completeness of Christ's salvation or deny his rule. And so he says that seeking the things above is a way of life that says no to religion, to submitting to human rules that seek to supplement the work of Christ, that seek to displace trust in Christ with trust in our own spiritual achievements. Oh, and yes, it's a, a way of life that says no to what Paul calls our earthly nature, the, the passions of our earthly nature, like sexual immorality, impurity, lust. Later on he speaks of anger. Seeking the things above means we don't live a life that seeks purpose and significance in fleeting experiences of pleasure that come from, say, sexual immorality. It means that we live a life that turns away from a life that looks no higher than the satisfaction of physical appetites and that's driven by a determination to get our own way by anger or abuse. Positively, seeking the things above means embracing Christ-likeness. And if you read Colossians 3, you'll see this. It means in putting on the new self, expressed in practising and growing in the character of Christ, showing the life of Christ in us by being like Christ as we live with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, loving one another. And he goes on in chapter 3 to show ways uh, that, that living under Christ's reign is expressed. So it means seeking the building up of your brothers and sisters in the congregation as you let Christ's word dwell in you and you teach and admonish one another with that word. It means practising relationships in the home that honour Christ by treating others with love and respect. Oh, it means working as if you are working for Christ. Whatever you do, something done for the Lord. <coughs> it means being willing to share the gospel with your words and commend it with your life. Seeking the things that are above means a thoroughly useful life on earth by being heavenly minded. A thoroughly useful life on earth that honours Jesus by being the person he calls us to be and doing his will in the treatment of others. And so in 2018, if you're a believer, you are to aim for this life and energetically pursue it. 
and you are to think about the things above, to give your mind to think about the exaltation of the crucified Jesus. And that takes a lot of thinking about it. Think about that. That the one who was rejected, despised, sought no power for himself, only did good, he rules. That God is involved in our world and he will establish justice and righteousness. He's not indifferent. Oh, we're to give our mind to think about the future Christ will give us so that we're not distracted or diverted from following him, not seduced into thinking anything is worth more than being his. Oh yes, we're to think about how we can grow more like Christ. We are to give our minds to think about the things that are above. Now that doesn't mean we can't think about our work or our family because that does take up a lot of our thinking, doesn't it? But it does mean that when you're thinking about your work and your family, you have to think about how in your work or in your family you live under Jesus' reign. How, for example, you can show kindness and gentleness in your relationships at home. Or how, for example, you can show at work that you know you're accountable to him, that you're working for him. Oh, how... You actually know that these things, work, career, family, aren't sources of ultimate significance, but places of useful service as we wait for the life we have hid in Christ to be revealed. Nothing could be better than seeking the things above, than thinking about the things above, pursuing life lived under the reign of Christ because we have the life of Christ. There is no greater privilege or gift. So in 2018, will you make that your goal to seek the things above? Will you make it your goal to confirm your thinking to the reality of Jesus' reign and of his finished work, to live as those who know they're reconciled to God in the kingdom of his Son securely, to live confident in what Jesus has done. Not trying to find your security in religion, in what you do, in subjecting yourself to merely human teachings. So confident that you can turn your life away from the pursuit of your own righteousness to the service of others in love. In 2018, will you let Christ's future grow big in your thinking so that you persevere as people who have a strong and a real hope. In 2018, will you be determined to grow in character, to put to death those sins that you're probably all too familiar with, like anger or lust, to fully, or fi to fully and finally break with them and change so that people can see in you the reality that you are united with Jesus because they see in you the character of Jesus. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, self-control, forgiveness. In 2018, will you determine to have relationships where Christ's word rules? Will you work where no matter how menial or trivial, you work to please Jesus, knowing he will reward you? Will you have a life and words that commend the gospel to those who are still to find forgiveness and life. 
So God says to you, give up your small ambitions and goals in 2018. Seek the things above. So why don't you go home and read Colossians? Especially Colossians 3, 1 to 4, 6. Meditate on it. Meditate on the greatness of Jesus, the wonder of what he's promised. Oh, yes, and meditate on the things above, what it says about the life which is lived under his reign. Think about where you need to change. What sin do you need to put to death? What virtue do you need to grow in? How are you treating your wife or your husband? Oh, how are you behaving at work? What would they think about you? Who would they think you were working for when they looked at the way you worked? Think about where you need to change. Think about how you will change. Oh, and if you don't know how to change, or you're feeling defeated because you go home and you, you look and you see those things you've tried to get out of your life before and failed, if you don't know, or you're feeling defeated, come and talk. Because, believer in Jesus, you can change. For Christ's life is in you. When you trusted Jesus, God raised you up with him. That life will show. Oh yeah, meditate on God's word and, and actually make a note. Make a note of what you want to change, how you will grow. So at the end of the year, you can see the change. For Christ's life is at work in you. And one day, if you trust Jesus, that life will be revealed in all its glory. So since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. So, you know, don't go home and just let this get taken away because you become consumed with your other passions or your hobby or you're starting to think about work. Set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. Because if you trust Jesus, this is true of you. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Glory you cannot imagine but far surpasses anything, anything you might long for or live for in this world. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we pray in your mercy that we wouldn't be people who hear and forget, but that we would be people who hear and do. Give us such a desire to please Jesus who gave himself for us, that we will give our minds to think about the things above. Give our minds to thinking about what our life would look like if we sought the things above. Give us time and a determination to meditate on your word. In your heart, in your grace, convict us in our hearts of where we should change. 
and give us confidence in what Jesus has done for us so that we will trust you and pursue that change. We pray in your mercy. Help us to seek the things above where Christ is, seated at your right hand, where he reigns forever. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.